to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Today's episode, I had a conversation with Teo Montoya of Human Design Readings about human design, which is a channeled system that offers people insight into their unique makeup and strategy for life. If you haven't heard of human design, you can look up your human design chart at jovianarchive.com. That's J-O-V-I-A-N archive.com. This episode is directed at people new to human design or anyone who just wants more perspective on the human design aura types. Human design is a fairly complex system, and in this episode, we focused on the basics of the different types, which are generator, manifesting generator, projector, reflector, and manifester. So if you look up your chart, you'll be one of those types. And if you don't already know your human design type, you can go look it up at jovianarchive.com and maybe dive down a research rabbit hole after this episode. After breaking this down, at the end, we transitioned into talking about some of the common pitfalls around working with systems like human design or astrology, where we take an interpretation we read or heard and we feel disempowered by it, or we use it to make excuses. Inevitably, this is part of the learning curve of working with symbolic languages, learning how to think critically, how to be discerning, and how to have a broad-minded enough perspective of the archetypes we're working with as to not put ourselves in narrow interpretations that don't ultimately serve us. On the other side, when we are in right relationship with symbolic languages and our own personal development and our own accountability for whatever our processes are, we have access to stimulating and transformative ideas that can help us live more consciously and masterfully. And guys, I am just days away from launching a Kickstarter to crowd my sixth year of content creation, which will begin in June of this year. For five years, I've written weekly astrology forecasts at monarchastrology.com that I'm now also sharing to YouTube in video versions. And I also started this podcast in 2019. To ask for your support, funding a year ahead of sharing this high-value free content, I'm offering astrology readings, discounted tuition to my evolutionary astrology intensive, and I'm releasing a new online course called Online Presence as Performance Art. In so many of the astrology readings I've given, I'm approached by people who have a deep yearning to share their magic with the world through their career. So many of you are healing professionals and visionaries who want nothing more than to manifest your particular talents and gifts into the world. So as I'm preparing for this upcoming Kickstarter, I've developed a course to share with you something that's really close to my heart and my expertise, which is creating an online brand that becomes something real in the world. And because the Leo mysteries are important to me, I've put a spin on this offering that has secretly kept me entertained for the last five plus years in my online persona cultivation process, a meditation upon performance art. Meditating on the concept of performance art has given me a layer of detachment and play around what it means to express myself online. Perform literally means carry out, accomplish, or fulfill, or present like a form of entertainment to an audience. Creating a successful online brand requires both the capacity to carry out a message and to communicate or present to an audience. How would this relate to your soul's work here? 
For those of you who are spiritual entrepreneurs of some kind, the transmission you share publicly works best for everyone involved when it is in alignment with who you are. There needs to be a bridge between your inner visions and how you fulfill those visions into reality. So I call that performance. This course will be for you if you know that you have something of value to offer the world, if you offer services virtually or market your services online, and you're still not comfortable expressing yourself on the internet or you feel weird about having a personal brand, but you're ready to change that and feel super empowered about how you exist on the internet. This course is for spiritual and holistically minded entrepreneurs who are offering their soul's gift as their career, professional healers, coaches, and consciousness leaders. One of the very biggest blocks that people have to coming out and sharing their gifts or offerings to the public is that they're afraid of what other people will think, or they are struggling with their own self-doubt. So we're going to break it down as an art form and something that's actually more fun and magical than a lot of people will make it out to be. Because we're talking about manifesting your creativity and creating a ripple effect in the world through your personal embodiment, and that's actually exciting. So before you get on stage and express yourself and sell your offers and still feel like a deer in the limelight, and excuse my mixed metaphor here, we're going to really explore what it means to connect with your authentic inner truth and radiate that through a persona that you share with other people to communicate who you are and to connect with your audience and soulmate clients. This course is sourced in practical wisdom I've picked up from combining archetypal, astrological, and psychological insights with my own lived journey creating a brand that is real in the world, you're here after all, and that people across the globe have a relationship with. My brand exists, has an impact, and it came from nothing except a dream that lived inside my inner being. Did I have plenty of insecurities along the way that I worked with? Of course, and they are actually pretty common hangups that can be resolved and inevitably have to be resolved in order to do this work or put yourself out there. This class is to help you understand the territory of what it really means to develop an online presence and how to actually have fun and develop emotionally, mentally, and spiritually as you do it. In this course, we will cover brand messaging, how to come from a place of providing value, content creation strategies that make online expression easier and more fun, the courage to come out into the world, how to network from a place of alignment, empowered sales, creating online infrastructure, the inner psychological path of having a public life, and how to rally your community to support and be invested in the value that you share with them. More details are to come as the Kickstarter launches and progresses. I'll be talking about it here, so stay tuned. Um, I'll be talking about it across all my platforms. So if you follow the weekly forecasts or you're on my mailing list, you'll be in the know. And if you're not already on my mailing list and you'd like to get updates that way, I'm going to leave that link in the show notes. And before we get into this episode about human design, here's more about Teo. Teo Montoya is a Lipan Apache Nde writer and human design analyst. He was first initiated into the human design system seven years ago by his mentor Jagruti, who was taught by and worked with the human design founder Ra Uruhu. In 2019, Teo launched his human design readings business and began formally holding both foundational and advanced sessions. He synthesizes the archetypal underpinnings of depth psychology, Jungian studies, and process work with the human design system, focusing on helping others embody and live out the story of their unique archetypal blueprint. 
So before we dive in, if you don't know your human design type, go ahead and hit pause on this podcast and go look it up at jovianarchive.com and then come back and listen to it and um, find out a little bit about your human design type. And if you already know your human design type, this is an opportunity to go deeper. I hope you enjoy. I'm here with Teo Montoya of Human Design Readings, and I'm really excited to be interviewing you because human design is something that I feel like not a lot of people know about. And when people go down the rabbit hole of human design, there's so much valuable and life-enhancing information that we can find. So I would love to just start out by asking you a little bit about your path and what brought you to human design and then what human design is. Yeah, absolutely, Sabrina. Um, so I, I will say that I was quite a skeptic <laughs> when I first got into human design. And it kind of, kind of like many of these systems do happen. It was, I was totally initiated into it. So I went to work for some like older white lady in the Aptos mountains, helping her pack for Hawaii. This turned out to be my future mentor. And she didn't let anybody work for her for more than a day without doing their chart. Cause she was deep in the system. She had studied with Ra-Uruhu, which is the human design founder. And that's where it all started. And that happened back in 2013. So I've been studying the system for about seven years since then. And at first I was just, well, that first reading, I just remember sitting with this woman I've known for a day and just like sobbing and <laughs> being like, wow, okay, this is something that's, this is certainly not nothing, I should say. Um, and it's kind of just gone from there. I, you know, she's become a dear friend and mentor of mine and she now lives in Kauai and I visit her often and she's pretty much initiated me all the way, always pushing me to study further, to start taking classes, to, you know, give up other things so that I can make more room for it. And in her human design type, she's actually somebody who's supposed to do this type of initiatory stuff. And we'll get into that later, I'm sure. But yeah, so that's really where it started. And, um, you know, something I will say that that really brought me to you and to your astrology work and your personal journey is just the, the parallel we had with, you know, <clears throat> you talk about your kind of your awakening that you had early on. And I had something very similar happen to me too in 2014. And, um, you know, kind of the spiritual emergency, psychic emergency situation. And it was really after that, that I started paying attention to the system and realizing how much it could help me and support me after a situation that was deeply nervous system, spirit, bodily jarring, you know? I do know. <laughs> That's how I feel about evolutionary astrology. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I kind of followed traditional career paths and I ended up leaving a very lucrative position at Facebook. And I just went full bore into my experiment, which is what we like to call it. And I just started living it out and started doing professional trainings um, to really start 
you know, using this system and sharing it with others. So kind of the very, very abbreviated version of it. Awesome. That's so cool that you were like initiated uh, by a mentor directly. And what does human design draw upon? Like, I understand it's a combination of multiple systems. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well one, it, it's, it's a, um, it's a channel system. So there's, there was actually a bunch of channeled works that came out in the late eighties and the early nineties and more since then, um, which there's supposedly a, a planetary event that caused it, which was a star that was exploding several billion light years away. Um, but so it was a channel system by this man, Robert Hu, and he was hit with a couple years kind of deciphering it and breaking it down. And he realized it, it became a synthesis of a bunch of these ancient kind of esoteric modalities. So the I Ching is what it's based in. That's like, that's its roots, right? It's all about the hexagram system, the 64 hexagrams and the combination of those hexagrams. But then it also pulled on the Hindu chakra system and it expands on that moving from a seven centered being to a nine centered being. Um, and then it also goes into the Kabbalah with the, the tree of life and the channels and the circuits and all that kind of stuff, the centers. And then it's just astrology. So it's just based on the planetary movements and yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty complex system. I actually did get a reading from you and it was amazing. And um, the information so hyper-specific too and accurate. It's really cool. But um, I think a great place to start uh, for learning I've found is like just getting to know the aura types because those are the kind of things where I can be talking to someone and get a pretty good sense. At least if they're a generator or a projector, I'm good at catching those. But so there's um, how many aura types and can we like dive into what those are? Totally. Yeah. So there's, there's traditionally four, sometimes five, because we like to break out generators into manifesting generators and I'll totally break those down in a second. But um, yeah, I think that information and the strategy and authority, that's like the bread and butter of the system. If everybody knew that there'd be so much relief in people's lives just about how they operate, how their vehicle operates. Um, and so, yeah, definitely the type stuff, like you can go so deep. Wait, can we break life. that down for a second? There's like these strategies that people can live by that would change their whole life. You're saying. Yeah. Cause it essentially the, the, the bait, like essentially what human design is, is decision-making. How do we make decisions as humans? It's not a predictive. It's not divinatory. It's just purely like energetically, how do we make the best decisions for the energy we have? And so our strategy and authority informs that and that's informed and creates our type. So, you know, the strategy and authority are based on these chakras that I mentioned. So there's nine centers and in those nine centers, there's nine different types of energy. And based on which of those energies are more Calm defined where they're just kind of consistently with inside of us um, that informs our strategy and authority and informs what kind of type we are so if you have a sacral defined meaning you always have sacral energy which is always this life force energy if you're familiar with the chakra system then you know kind of what a sacral is and um the the sacral if you have a sacral you are a generator 
just period. That's like, that's like one of the biggest laws. And thus 70% of the world are generators because they have a sacral defined. And because they have a sacral defined, they have a specific way that they're supposed to make decisions, which is all about using your gut to make decisions. Has nothing to do with mind, has nothing to do with logic, isn't necessarily tied to intuition, although it's very similar. It's just like this deep, pleasure-driven, life-expanding force of like, that's correct for me. And I yeah. love that. I've heard that generators, they make noises as a response to things. And you could almost tell a generator by um, how frequently they make either noises of like pleasure about something or like noises of displeasure. Um, and we're both projectors. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I, I assume that's okay. Do you tell people you're projectors? Oh, you're for sure. It's like a badge of honor at this point. So. Okay. Yeah. So I noticed that like, um, I could be in a room full of generators and like they're making like noises to respond to things. And for me, making noises to respond to something is more of like a pleasant affect that mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily like, sometimes it comes out of me, but I notice more that I tend towards stillness. Um, and that projectors have this kind of penetrating and absorbing aura versus generators are like enveloping how does it yeah go? that's that's a term for enveloping and <clears throat> you, generators are really you have to think about what they are is kind of like pre-verbal right it's like pre-cognitive pre-verbal like response and so that's where the noises come from it's very animalistic and i always explain to generators that like your aura is enveloping because ultimately, I always use the, the sense of taste, but this can be applied to all the senses. That it's like, you want to taste everything. And when things, you want things to taste good. So I always, use the, <laughs> I always use the term juicy. Like if your life is juicy and the things that are coming in and out of your senses are juicy, kind of have this just, you know, wonderful quality to them. Um, that's correct for you. And so just naturally, because of that, generators definitely are the ones that it's all about the uh-huh. The yes, right? There's no word for it, really. It's yes, but it's this deep gut rumbling. Uh-huh. And there, your aura isn't like directly because of, I mean, it's related to the centers that you have to find, but your aura is kind of like what allows that magic to happen. So for a generator aura being enveloping, as you say, it's, it's literally kind of law of attraction style concept of just, you are con your aura is constantly out there waiting to receive, you know, it's just waiting to take in what is possible and, and out there. And that's the magic of it. When you stop trying to make things happen, you know, all the types are not supposed to initiate except manifestors, which we'll talk about and generators. You're really just supposed to be able to be open to receive. And when you're open to that, then you can see all the pleasure that's possible and what's correct for you. And, you know, it takes a lot of, the guesswork and the struggle out of trying to make things happen by just allowing them to happen. So what makes generators like what causes them to get stuck or out of alignment? Well, for every type besides manifestors initiating for sure is like, if you're trying to, if you're going to go and, it, and it's different than like having a vision for something, but literally like I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to make sure it happens. And it's going to happen like this. When you didn't first have something that, spurred that on 
and you're doing it out of mind. You're doing it because you think you should do it because other people are doing it like that. And the second you start operating in that mode, you're going to get stuck. You're going to hit the wall over and over and over again. And every type has kind of a, uh, I forget the term for it now, but like a, a keyword for when they're not operating well, when they're operating and they're not self. They're not self. Yeah. And, and for generators, it's frustration. And it's because they have so much energy. They are life energy incarnate. And they're just abundantly energized. And the second that they can't funnel that into something, it's like frustrating. It's like rattling the bars, like wanting to go somewhere and not being able, not knowing where to go or how to go or anything like that. You know what I've wondered about generators is that, um, so one of the first things I learned about generators was that the noises that they make about things as a response are very honest. So if you ask a generator like, hey, do you feel like doing this thing? And they're like, eh, okay then you kind of know from the start that there's some resistance there. And sometimes they end up doing the thing, even though they have the guttural no, and then they get frustrated along whatever path they took. Totally. I mean, people pleasing, it's kind of people pleasing behavior, like going along with it, even though there's something in you that's saying no. And eventually that ability to even know what a no feels like to you gets diminished, you know? Yeah. I feel like generators are like the, the kind of like ideology of like living from your fuck. Yes. Like that's such a generator mm-hmm. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cause, and then and that's, what's so crazy about generators is that they are the life force of the planet. And if they aren't saying fuck, yes, they're not, they're not putting that life force back in, you know, it's just getting caught up in them. And they don't get to get it out because we're, we're all, we're deeply gifted by generators and all they can do and all they can bring. I mean, projector, all the other types literally run off the energy of the generators. That is such a weird concept. I just have to say, <laughs> like I had a whole, um, I think it took me like a, a while to understand being a non-energy type mm-hmm. and understanding like how that works and how I can experience vitality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just find that, um, can you like elaborate on the difference between energy types and non-energy? Yeah, and absolutely. And there's, so there's two energy types or three. I always, I always lump manifesting generators and generators into one, um, cause they are, they have sacral energy and then there's manifestors, which are technically another energy type, but they don't have sacral energy. They have different types of energy. And then the non-energy types are projectors and reflectors. And we literally don't have that wellspring of energy within us. You know, so we, we're actually, we're fully at the whim kind of of the energy around us. But that's that ability to take in other people's energy is what gives us our ability to help guide it. Because it's kind of like this unconscious conditioning that happens our whole lives is that we're being shocked by the energy around us at all times and we just from a very small child learn okay how do we move that how do we what do we do to deal with that you know and that's kind of just inherently the projector goes oh well you need to be changing how you move your energy and and ultimately the non-energy types are here to help move the energy of the energy types because they are the ones bringing it all you know so that's where projectors and it's funny being in the you know Instagram space with a bunch of 
healers and coaches and everything. It's like so many of them are projectors. Totally. <laughs> and it, yeah. And we know each other. And it's so funny because a lot of the projectors, like when I meet other projectors, they know what human design is and they know they're a projector. Totally. More than I, any I, of the other energy types. Super rarely do I meet a projector who is just not immediately relieved and going and relieved and being like, yes, that's definitely me. And I spot them everywhere. Like definitely you. I was like, for sure, projector. Wait, so let's no. see what a projector is. Let's back up a little bit. Okay. So, you know, so a projector doesn't have a sacral. And so I guess... They just I'll, don't have a defined sacral? They don't have a defined sacral. Yeah. So I guess I break that down. So the nine energy centers, I'll run through them really quick. There's the crown at the top of the head. There's the mind, the ajna. There's the throat. There's something called the G center or the identity center. Um, there's the sacral, which is below that. Then to either side of the sacral, there's the spleen, which is fear and intuition. And then there's the solar plexus, which is emotional health and emotionality. And then there's the root. Um, and then there's also the ego center, which is kind of willpower and heart. And if you're a generator, you always have a sacral defined somehow. And when it's defined, it means that you have that energy consistently. So a projector doesn't have energy in the sacral, nor do they have emotional energy, the solar plexus, or ego energy, the willpower energy, or root energy going to the throat. And this is totally confusing. And if you've just heard this, like, don't get too hung up on this, but we just don't have access for energy to come into form right away. We have to guide it. And so all of our definitions that we do have, because if we have no definition, we're a reflector. So the definition that we do have is um, it's always about guiding others. It's like that energy is specifically for helping others with the energy that you have. I've always like, I download insight and advice for people all the time. And I've learned how to involve it in my career and not just give unsolicited advice, which was a troubling and difficult <laughs> lesson. Um, but I also like, you know, channel the weekly forecast and whatnot and feel that sense of like being able to guide people um, and not having... I mean, somehow I have the energy to do all the things I do, but I do feel yeah. tired a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, this is, and this is what's so interesting about the projector and our strategy to be invited. So, um, and the, the strategy to be invited is, is really there so we don't waste energy because we don't have abundant life sacral energy. Anytime we're using our energy and it's not being recognized for what it is, and it's not being invited in, that's a very clear signal that people want the energy you have, then you're wasting it. And so like the plight of the projector is going, hey, I know what to do. Listen to me. Let me tell you what to do. And people don't want to hear it. You know, so there's a lot of, and, and this creates this sense of bitterness and which is the not self theme of the projector of being like, nobody listens to me. Nothing happens for me. I know all this stuff, but I'm not successful. I can't get it out there into the world. And it's because we simply aren't just doing our own thing and allowing it to come to us, allowing invitations to go and come in. And that's so, and the, and the secret of the projector is the second you're recognized, you're energized. Like truly. I feel that. 
So yeah. Wait, so how can projectors, like when you said do their own thing, like what are the kind of things that would enrich in a projector's life and incline them towards receiving more invitations? Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole, there's a whole other part of the system called profiles and I can change this a lot, but you know, there's, it's mostly a, it's a waiting game for most of the types except manifestors. And, you know, when people are told to wait or to wait for an invitation, like projected art, it's like, well, what the, what am I supposed to do while I'm waiting? Like, what is, what is supposed to happen? And truly projectors are here to master something because it's when we can master something that we can then guide and lead easily. We can have a reputation for something and it's then our invitations come through. So when we're in the wait or when we're in our formative years, you know, Sometimes projectors spend their whole life trying to act like generators. And at like 30, they're like, oh, wow, I really got to study and figure out what systems for me. But when they're in their formative years, if they find something that they are naturally talented at, that they're naturally drawn to, that they just want to know, that just lights them up. They just totally like to do it on their own, doesn't require anything else. It's just kind of most projectors really get into this kind of study mentality. Even if they're not very bookish, they're very much like, I got to understand this. I got to break this down. Yeah. So projectors love systems. We're systems masters. Yeah. We can just, yeah. I feel that way about astrology. <laughs> but it's interesting though. Um, one of my friends who's also a projector, um, his name's Cameron. He's been on this podcast, but he and I will sometimes talk about like recognizing ourselves because the projector just wants to be recognized. And once the projector recognizes themselves, then they become more magnetic. Do you have thoughts on that? Absolutely. Well, I think that I would, I would kind of reframe recognizing ourselves as more of like just authentically being who we are and being, you know, okay with that and doing the things that we love to do and not trying to subscribe to mental things that came in that we were conditioned into through our family or through friends, you know, that are telling us, Oh, well, you should become this or you should become this. Right. But just truly being who we are and doing what we love. And then that really brings the abundance in because the signature of a projector is success because success comes after being studied in something masterful in some system being recognized for that masterfulness and then being hopefully paid to do help other people to do that, you know? Yeah. So there, <laughs> I'm all about it. So there's projectors in like every field, right? Like I can imagine there's like projector architects, there's projector chefs, there's projector, like just anything, but they're totally. just like, um, particularly masterful and have like a, a lens that they're bringing to the field or how would you put it? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely it. And there's so many different things that people can be adept at. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to even conceptualize because often we think about it as guiding somebody and, you know, we're in this realm where we're also often talking about esoteric guiding or spiritual guiding or coaching or life, you know, just help with being human. (laughs) And then for other people that could totally be what you said. It could be computer programming or architecture or, you know, just these things that are these other systems that have to do. And we become overseers to help other people do them as well, you know, and do them to their best capacity because really we're the guides to make sure. And 
again, when we're recognized for our talents, we get all the energy we need. But the worst, and we actually can work more than, say, a generator. And that's because any open center, you actually take in the energy of the other, like we take in other people's energy, but that's not the end of it. It actually amplifies. So it's like there's a gain knob on every center. And the second you're taking in the energy, you turn it up. So projectors can totally become these like super slaves where we are just working and working and working and we can't turn off and we might be getting recognized a little bit, but at a certain point, the recognition isn't true to who we are or it's not enough, and we burn out. So projectors endlessly burn out. They're often the ones that are, you know, deep in that problem of burnout, you know. Just working, especially in corporate world or anything like that, there's tons of projectors that are doing amazing jobs, but they're really putting their health and sanity on the, on the line. Yeah, I actually, part of why I believe that I work for myself and that I'm an astrologer is I think that I would have mental breakdown after mental breakdown after mental breakdown if I did anything else. Like I'm so like astrology is the only thing that I want to do. And of course, like the way that it's expanded to teaching and counseling, like it's all part of that, you know, Mm -hmm. but doing anything like working for someone else, working at a company, I just think that I would like lose it basically. Yeah. And there's definitely other parts of our designs that can like inform that more or not. And you have some of those things, your ego defined, (laughs) your, your identity defined and your splenically defined. So there's a strong individuality with you. Um, There's also the 2551, which is when your channel, don't worry if you don't know this stuff, but that's really about like, it's some ego energy. That's like, I don't like to be challenged or I like to challenge And I like to be the first. (laughs) So there's often like that little bit of ego energy that would, you know, not want to deal with authority, you know, or change it. And um, the other thing too, is that the oftentimes projectors don't work very well in jobs is not because the job is too much. It's just simply because they're not being recognized for their gifts. You know, this is again, the bitterness, you know, if you've ever worked in an office, you know, the person who just like, complains constantly about how people are doing things, wants everybody to be doing it differently, hates their life, drinking coffee all the time. They're just like totally bitter about it. And they're just really not being recognized for a gift they do have. Maybe they don't even know what their gift is. But yeah. Hmm. So then we have manifestors, manifesting Mm -hmm. generators. Mm -hmm. So the, the thing about manifestors and manifesting generators and that term and how it is so different from every other type of system or any sort of esoteric ideology is that if you, you are a manifester or a manifesting generator, if you have your energy going to the throat. And so if you know the chakra system, you know the throat is where things come into form. It's where we manifest the energy of ourselves out into the world. And so a manifesting generator has the sacral to the throat and a manifester has one of the other three motors. We call them the energy centers, the ones that really got a lot of oomph in them to the throat. And so, you know, they are here to put things into form. Not that other people can't, but other people 
If they are, they're often using the group that they're in. Human design is definitely not an individualist system. It's like you learn very quickly. It's like you need people and there's definitely dynamics between people. And that's the most vital part of the whole thing. Um, but if you have that throat definition and you're a manifestor, manifest generator, um, well, as a manifesting generator, you're here to respond and then do it and just get it done. The second you know it's a yes, you get that uh-huh, that voice, you go for it. Very quick. Now, a manifester is truly the only type that is here to just do exactly what they want to do. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't do things that aren't helpful to people <laughs> or things that are um, not good. It also means that if they are truly in their power, they're here to impact the world with what they bring to manifest into form. And they're 8% of the population. They're, so they're pretty small space. And, and, and it's interesting because I would say most of our coaching is about trying to get people into manifestation into being able to take the, what they got and then move it forward. And, th and there's nothing wrong with that, but manifestors definitely are the ones that are supposed to be like, I feel something and I'm going to do it or I, or I will something and I'm going to do it. And it's really about if they have that, if they believe in themselves and they're not worried about the opinions of other people and they just do it, then they create impact and that impact can change the world. That impact has impact. It affects people. What are they like as people or like, how can you tell a manifester? <laughs> um, so as we go to go back to the auras, right? Like, you know, generators have the enveloping projectors have the penetrating. We're really here to get into the other and, and manifestors have actually repelling aura. And there's tons of language in human design that you're just like, Oh God, that sucks. You know, it's, it doesn't seem good. <laughs> yeah. People get really hung up on human design. I found like they learn something about it and they kind of like, I feel like it's really similar to astrology where you, you have to learn the language enough to be able to think critically. Mm -hmm. Like one person's interpretation isn't the law. Totally. And so I think human design is much newer and there's been, you know, it's still like a frontier. Yeah. And, and there's, there's something to some of that language. Cause you know, the founder was somebody who liked to shock people. And as part of shocking is needed for initiation. It's Did like he have shocking. like a 51 thing? Yeah. He had, the, he had the same channel as you, I think too, the 25. <laughs> and it's all about shocking because you know, when we're ready and we're shocked, we can be initiated into things, but sometimes people really need caring space. Sometimes people really need loving spaces because it's, they've been, you know, they've been through shit. They don't want somebody to tell them like, Oh, you're repelling, <laughs> you know, but, and there's ways to use the language and explain it in not such a way. But then there's definitely times when, you know, human design always talks about it being mechanics. It is not moralistic, you know, it has nothing to do with how we feel about it. And, and often even, um, you know, we do exalted and detriments, you know, and I know some astrology doesn't like to use those, but we definitely have these like languages that that energy can be used either in a high expression or a low expression. And so repelling it's high expression is that it clears space so that it can creatively do its thing. And anybody who doesn't want to be there to be impacted has the time to get away. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Cause you're going to impact if you're manifest <laughs> And then those people who are impacted, their lives change. 
And this could be good and this could be bad, right? There's no morals to it. And then the bad side of that is to be like, just, you know, it feels bad for people to seem to want to move away from you. So, you know, I know it kind of seems, you know, mean, but like, I know a manifesto because I have a recoil from them. I can feel myself moving away. And literally sometimes I'm moving away. Like I'm actually taking a step back. And it's because they're just deeply creative beings. They're so in a beautiful chaos of creativity that like, you really don't know what's going to happen next. And, you know, if they have constantly people telling them, Hey, don't be creative, don't make an impact. You're taking up too much space. You're causing too many people issues. Then they're not in their creative genius. So it's, it's such an interesting dynamic that we can definitely get caught up on the words. Like I've definitely seen manifestors, you know, have problems with that, but more often people hear that and they finally understand why people have moved away from them their whole lives, why they have these deep wounds around it, you know, where they're like, wait, that's why everybody seems to just pull away from me if, and I don't know why. And that's actually one of the deepest manifestor wounds is, you know, not knowing why as a kid, people would move away from you. Cause it's not logical. It's not rational. It's energetic. You know, What's the part about manifestor's strategy being to inform? What's that mean? Well, in their creative genius, in their creative chaos and, and ability to impact the world, you know, if they inform, then they ensure that everybody around them knows what's about to happen. It's essentially, I mean, this is like, you know, not to bring down or to, I don't know, make this seem less powerful than it is, but it's like, it's manners. <laughs> it's like, Hey, I'm about to make something happen. Do you want to be here for it? Right. Instead of just doing it and seeing what happens, because that's going to cause a lot of dissonance in their life. There's going to be tons of people who are like, Hey, I don't like the way if they're emotional manifestor, they're going to be like, I don't like the way that you're bringing your emotions to this. I'm not ready for it. I'm not in a safe space. I can't hold space for that. You know, where if they say like, Hey, I'm in a terrible mood or I'm in a super joyous mood. Do you, are you ready to get in that too? Because I'm about to impact you with that. <laughs> and it's kind of like your, your cart before the horse, like you allow it to just have a buffer essentially. That's what informing is about. Okay, cool. Um, before we get into another type, I actually just wanted to loop back around to projectors because, um, I just want to like get into what the invitation actually is, because I think people get caught up on like needing a literal invite. Like what's yeah. the, you know, and also like, how do you read into like a energetic invite? What is, what even is that? Mm -hmm. and, and this really comes to the question of authority and authority is based on what energy you do have in your chart. So um, authority is kind of how you help make the decision about which invite is correct. And, and yeah, about the invite, it's like people read human things, like you wait for an invitation. And, and sometimes it literally is like a written invitation to your door or somebody like coming up to me, like, Hey, come here. Cause you seem to be good at this, but it's way more often than not, it's, it's much more subtle than that. But there is definitely a clear distinction between just doing it cause you want to do it or it's like an invitation. And so, yeah, and so the energetic invitations in you as a, an intuitive type, a splenic type, 
you know, you might have a better handle on this than I do. I'm definitely not always intuitive. I've got a, it's not defined in me. Um, but there's just those times when things come to your door and you're like, I have to do this. This yeah, is totally. correct for me. I can feel also like, it's funny. I have some friends who know I'm a projector and they're not projectors, but they know about human design and they let me know. They're like, by the way, like I really, I want to hear your advice or your insights when they come up, if you want to share them, like I, I see you. Um, and other times like I can just, I've gotten more tuned in to when people want to hear me talk and when people just don't. And when I was younger, you know, the bitterness of like, why don't people want to listen to me? Like, why don't people want my insight? And now just like really recognizing when I'm being recognized and that there's a, um, kind of like a, a channel opened up. It's like having a close friend who considers you a confidant and you know that you can speak to them in a different way than you're going to just speak to some acquaintance. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's, there's so much, many other specifics that go into this equation, but there's, it's just, it's a sense, you know, like it can be as small as just a gesture, you know, but it, the thing is, is that projectors are here for the other, right? And, and so it's really the other that needs us. And so if we feel that need coming in, we just have to make sure that it's correct, that we can actually provide for that. That it's something we're, and, and the other thing projectors make the, the, the problem of is that any invitation comes in because we're so recognition starved because recognition is our energy, which is, okay, we'll jump on it. We'll do it because it's just something and I'll be recognized for it, even though it's not something I really like doing and I'm way better at something else. And so, you know, it's, it's not always easy to get completely clear on invitations. And definitely if you're just getting the system, like, think about the big things in your life, like moving relationship jobs, you know, like those have to be very clear invitations. Like you have to know you are wanted there and not just wanted because you're a body and you can do the work or be in the relationship, but because you have something special that the other really likes about you. Mm. And, and to take it even a little step deeper for me, I have invitations from land. And it's something that I energetically tune into often where I see places <clears throat> and I feel a need to go there. And I feel a need to be there. And it's not something that I'm doing because it's strictly like, it's not just like curiosity or something. It's like I'm being pulled there. And so I have to see if that's correct for me. But, um, but yeah. I love that. Yeah. I know projectors that, feel plants and feel the land. Yeah. That's super cool. Is that what called you to where you are now? Yeah, exactly. Um, I just moved from the Bay area, San Francisco to New Mexico. It, I did, I have one friend here (laughs) and it was not something that I planned, nor did I have, um, a clear invitation. It just, I came through and then all of a sudden it just filled everything. All of a sudden there was job opportunities. I'm, I'm a two, four, which is one of the profiles and I'm all about my network. And then all of a sudden just things start popping up. There's a school I wanted to go out here. There's a, another mentor out here. There's all this stuff happened after I'd already set my gaze that way. And then it was just like more confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. 
but I drove through the Southwest for the first time in my life last year. And I was just like, I need to be here. This place, you know, I'm being invited here. I need to go there and put everything else to the wind, all the rationale, which is very difficult to do, but you know, I made the trip and it, and it felt the most correct place that I've been in my life. So I feel that way about um, the UK and like Ireland. Like I want to go so bad, but I was in Wales one time and I just like had such a deep connection to it. And I have synchronicities around Ireland all the time. I'm just putting that out there because I know there's people in Ireland and like in the area that listen <laughs> to this podcast and, you know, invite me, <laughs> invite me over. Um, but okay. We didn't talk about reflectors, right? Yeah. And reflectors are the most rare type, they're 1% of the population. So one in 100, 100 people is a reflector. And a reflector, um, all of the nine centers are completely open. So that really just means that they are here to be really tuned in to what's happening around them. But they have, it's, they're, they're very different. So projectors also have open centers, right? We have the open sacral. That's what makes us good at guiding the generators who have the defined sacral and projectors really take things in. We are meant to be conditioned by the others so that we know how to effectively use that energy and then guide other people. Uh, reflectors are more, um, their aura is actually, um, it's actually more similar to the manifestor. It's kind of got this outward because it's, it's, it has the ability to take everything in, but it is because it can take everything in and it can't let it all stick. So they often get talked about as Teflon. And essentially it's like a sampling aura is what they call it. And so reflectors are really able to just tune into people, tune into places, but they're more like, instead of being a one-on-one, -on -one, take somebody in completely, they're taking in the entire environment, including the stars, including the moon, and reflectors are completely different. They're actually lunar beings and not solar beings. Meaning that what drives their lives is the sun or is the moon, not the sun, which what most of the other types are kind of more driven by. Um, and, you know, I hate this term, but it's literally the best, like, you know, euphemism for it is the canary in the coal mine. They're the ones that are the barometer of the community. If they're sick, if they're unhealthy, if they're emotionally unwell, then the community is sick, unhealthy, and emotionally unwell. And so they have this way of taking everything in, but not having it be hitting them directly. So reflectors are vitally important. And because they're lunar, they have a, they have a lunar cycle. And so who they are is actually spread across time. Whereas everybody else, we kind of have our definedness, right? We have our defined centers and that's always consistent in us. The only thing that's consistent all the time in a scale that can, they can even relate to is the moon. And so the strategy for reflectors is to actually wait a month, wait a lunar cycle. Because in that lunar cycle, continuously, they'll have a pattern of energy that emerges so this week they're, they're, they're sacredly defined. And then this week, like the transit becomes very important. The, the astrological weather becomes very important to them. Um, so they're a super unique type and they're so vital for us to know what's healthy. And they're like the wisest advisors because they're really tuned into something that none of the rest of us are. And in that capacity anyway. 
and they're just vital and gentle. And you know, we really got to make sure our reflectors are well taken care of because they're out there trying to live in a busy sacral world like the projectors, but they, you know, they're just so they're just jewels, <laughs> you know, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah. Mm. Do, you, do you know reflector? I can think of like one that I, that I know of. I'm sure that I've met, no, two. Yeah. yeah. They're very rare. Yeah. I, said, but I've had a weird amount come into my life. Like dated one, several really, really good friends ended up being one. It's, it's interesting. One of those the system synchronicities that happens. Yeah. Well, maybe you're the, like the lighthouse. <laughs> you have the knowledge um so moving then beyond like aura types when someone's just beginning to learn human design do you have any suggestions of like how to dive in there is so much information in the system it is extremely dense as as you know with astrology like people are like oh great my sun sign am i rising but you're like what about you know our (laughs) sextants and all these like different oppositions and crazy things. It gets really, really complicated. And my first thing that I tell people is just take it slow. And there's a lot of schools out there. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of people you can pay to learn it. But I always tell people just, just really take the time to, to read into it and study into it. Figure out your stuff first. If you're a projector, you're probably not going to want to do that. But all the other types, like just figure out your strategy and your authority. There's some great books out there. Um, I always recommend one by Chetan Parkin, and it's just understanding your human design. Um, and your strategy and authority and your type, you could be good off of that for years. You know, and then when you want to go deeper, there's just so many other offerings out there, so many other people. There's the International Human Design School. Um, and there's all kinds of accreditation. It, it goes deep, you know. Um, so I think if you're just starting out, the biggest pitfall and the biggest lesson of human design is that we're really not here to make decisions based on our mind. And so if you spend the first month going down the rabbit hole and you're just filling your mind with all the information, it's kind of like so much information. It creates so much chaos and you can't get out of your head. You're just thinking about it all the time. And the thing that's really the truth of human design is that it's an embodied system. It is meant to be felt in your body and in your like just living it out, not thinking about it, not, you know, tuning in um, and, or just trying to like, like solve a puzzle or something. It's really like in your body. So just take that time and, and don't, you know, I, I would say this is the same for, and maybe you can speak to this too, this is the same for any kind of esoteric system, especially ones that are just kind of fascinating and you want to learn, is that we often give our authority over to it. And we're going, this is the thing that's going to completely save me in my current situation right now. Mm-hmm. And while it might have this deep wisdom over time, and there can be so much you can mine from it, it can, you can get caught up in that kind of mania of wanting to know all of this stuff without it ever really landing in you. So just really got to keep that in mind. And that's why I always tell people to slow down, but that's, that's the last thing people want to hear most of the time when they're like, 
this might be helpful to why my life is not going exactly how I'd like it to. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, I feel like that's something that I talk about with my students and in my teaching because I mean, getting into like Pluto and evolutionary astrology, it's um, deeply like psychological stuff. Mm -hmm. And so psychological blind spots are something that, you know, we're working to uncover. So if you're projecting your own authority onto an external thing, or you're like, you know, believe that you're doomed because you have this thing in your chart, like there's a way to be aware of what you have working with you and how to interact with it and participate with it mm-hmm. without giving it this kind of numinous, mysterious, ominous power. Totally. Yeah. I think, and truly, I think most these systems, they're not, you know, they're not religions. They're not trying to give a power. They're not trying to get into a power outside of ourselves. It's really to find that power within. And I see this happen so much, especially people who are newly into human design. And, and I'm sure you see this too, but like, astrology systems can be used in relationships so negatively. And I always give this example because it's like all of a sudden you're using the system as a projection of your, you know, things you should actually be working through. And you can use the system to inform that, but you know, you shouldn't not get in a relationship because somebody's a certain sign or is a certain, you know, doing a certain thing. And you shouldn't certainly, if you don't like something they do, you're like, Oh, well, that's because you're a projector. Or, oh, that's because you have this center defined, or that's because you have this rising, right? And people will use these kind of things as a projection of their own psychological work that they need to do. Um, so yeah, I'm sure, do you see that? And that's oh, <laughs> Yeah, well said. Um, <clears throat> I'm really like, yeah, when it comes to, like when I first started forecasting and writing horoscopes, what I would track was that as someone who was consuming astrology before that and not producing, um, I didn't feel any particular pressure to like work on my limiting beliefs around certain archetypes or my grudges against certain archetypes because they were just there. But as soon as I was creating content and I had the desire to help people, I realized that it didn't serve me or my audience if I had a problem with any of the archetypes. So I would do this like deep dive within myself of like, what is this archetype teaching me? Like, why do I have a resistance to it? What is it touching within me? And that became such an amazing process. And in that, I feel like a lot of the things I've gathered is helpful teachings and information about the signs and the archetypes is based on overcoming hangups about them. 100%. I think the God, the most, you know, just empowering thing is, is going from this place of not identifying yourself with a certain archetype and being just like, Oh, that's just so not me. And then allowing yourself, like allowing your ego to just be like, that might be me, you know? And when you can do that, you can, you, 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 you create awareness. It's like these archetypes guide us into those energies that are already in us. And so, um, yeah, there can be a lot of blindness if we're not open to it, but then there's a lot of acceptance and responsibility that has to be there. If you are, if you allow it in, you know, it's like, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't think about some of my Scorpio aspects and I wasn't really about those and they were leaky. They're happening unconsciously out of me. 
and I wasn't in responsibility with them. I wasn't aware of them because some reason I was conditioned to think that that's bad and that's something I shouldn't do, but it's in you. And so when you can kind of just open yourself and accept those things and take responsibility for them, then identifying with them isn't painful or a problem. You just, it's just wisdom. It's just pure wisdom. You know, it's just more for yourself to understand yourself. So well said. I love that we like entered this kind of philosophical chapter of our conversation about the use of these systems. It's really mm-hmm. cool. So you do readings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how can people find you and get in touch with you? Right now, um, it's definitely all Instagram, <laughs> which, um, so yeah, definitely, you know, search me up on Instagram, human design readings. And, um, you know, it's pretty formative. I, I only kicked it off in September of last year. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to really showing up more and more there, but that's, that's the place to find me and to contact me. And I'm, I'm one of those people that I really try to talk to everybody who's talking to me. So I'd love to hear, get a few DMS. Cool. Yeah. I got a really great reading from you, um, and learned a lot and got some reflections that were really rich. So highly recommend if you're listening and that's human design readings on Instagram. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sabrina. Cool. Any last things? It felt like there <laughs> might be like felt something. Um, just that I, I just would say that even if you're skeptical of these things, they really can be a pathway into something more, something more for yourself to understand about yourself. And when you first get into them, you don't have to believe them. And I, and it's because belief is, can be built, you know? And so I, I just want to say that because I know a lot of people, especially men who are not open to these systems because they've been told to be very skeptical of their whole lives. And if it interests you, give it the time of day because it really could be a goldmine for you. Any astrology system, any, you know, esoteric system like this at all. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I felt something. That's a good point. And, um, I have a feeling that a lot of people listening to this podcast are not skeptical people. <laughs> totally. Totally. Uh, esoteric stuff here. But at the same time, um, people who are into astrology sometimes are like, oh, I don't know what human design is. And I would say that like, there's, there's something there for sure. And to be able to, I like that point of being able to take in more information by not feeling like you have to believe what you're reading right away. That's like critical thinking and you can still like entertain ideas and then discern how they land for you. Totally. And as archetypal systems, you know, any information like that can be useful. And I will just say that human design and, you know, evolutionary astrology, Western astrology is absolutely not at odds with each other. They're very different systems, but they overlay just perfectly. And there's actually a lot of parallels all over the place. So it's, I mean, I've never, not once been like, well, it doesn't say that in human design. You know, it's like, it's always been, it's always gelled perfectly fine. Hmm. Cool. Thank you so much for joining me, Teo. It was a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, it was so great, Sabrina. Thank you.
you heard him. The DMs are open. So if you want to talk to Teo about human design, you can totally do that. Stay tuned on this podcast for more updates about the Kickstarter, and I'll be talking about it across my channels. So my mailing list, I'm also leaving in the notes, my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, where I'm sharing weekly astrology videos, my website, where I'm writing weekly astrology posts, Instagram at Sabrina Monarch and Twitter at Sabrina underscore Monarch. <laughs>